You are listening to the sermon stream of the Mulvane Church of Christ in Mulvane, Kansas. Subscribe in your favorite podcatching app or find and listen to any sermon online at mulvanechurch.com slash sermons. Galatians 2, 11-14 But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For prior to the coming of certain men from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he began to withdraw and hold himself aloof, fearing the party of the circumcision. The rest of the Jews joined him in hypocrisy, with the result that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. But when I saw they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in the presence of all, if you, being a Jew, live like the Gentiles and not like the Jews, how is it you compel the Gentiles to live like Jews? So here we have this um, interesting, uh, and I guess sad, and I, I, I just think about if you were there for that situation, uh, really alarming, I think, likely situation, an alarming situation where two apostles are in a disagreement. Uh, for us, the harmony of the apostles and the message that they preach and the great example of the life which they live, uh, that's uh, such a comfort to us. And here, in if you're from Antioch, in your hometown, here were some apostles for a time at opposition one to another. So very often when we talk about the things of authority, we speak of God's commands or direct instructions or something of the like. And then we talk about the examples. And occasionally, and may, uh, we'll see people qualify that, uh, which what seems to be uh, often an unnecessary and obvious qualification, that it's an approved example because not everything in the scripture is approved. But generally, when we're dealing with the apostles, uh, it, it's all approved. But here is a case of a, a, an apostle uh, being opposed and being opposed by another apostle. And we think again about the line of argument that the apostle Paul is making. Uh, he has uh, defended to the Galatians the gospel that he preaches as chapter 1, verse 1, uh, not through men or the agency of men, but through Christ Jesus. And uh, he's uh, shown his isolation and independence from the other apostles. And here he even shows in one case now, uh, kind of the ultimate case, his opposition to one of the apostles. As Paul had the gospel of salvation by faith in Christ, apart from the law, he had that from God. And he never backed down from that, and he never wavered from that, and he's, he uh, uh, is uh, disavowing any idea, uh, I think, that was f uh, put forward by his opponents that, uh, well, those in Jerusalem have it better, those in Jerusalem have it right, and uh, uh, the Acts 15, which we mentioned last time, uh, which corresponds to the early part here of Galatians 2, uh, the uh, apostles and elders at the church there 
They even disavowed those men, saying, men to whom we gave no instruction went out and disturbed you. And so they certainly appear to be saying that in Jerusalem, it's, uh, we're, the, the, the doctrine and teaching has been to meld the law with the gospel, to have these extra requirements of the gospel. And Paul has said, no, that's not so. Never has been so. But then it turns out, here in this section, there's some men from Jerusalem who are from James, so that would seem to class them as brothers. Uh, men to Peter knew, and Peter obviously respected and had uh, dealings with, and who had influence over him, uh, that under their influence, even the Paul, excuse me, even Peter and Barnabas held themselves aloof from some of the Gentile brethren. And so, even though back in Acts 15, uh, that seems to be pretty well straightened out, maybe not by everybody, and not in the minds of all, was that as straightened out as we might have hoped. And so, here in verse 11, we find again that Paul, on this matter, even opposed the Apostle Peter in his practice. Now, we have no record that he ever taught wrong, or said wrong, but in his practice he was wrong. And so if Paul will withstand Peter to his face, who was an apostle, uh, how little would he give regard to, how little would he give uh, space to people teaching these very things in Galatia. So when Cephas, verse 11, when Cephas came to Antioch, and that's where Paul had been based, that's where he went and did, his missionary journeys from, where he was sent from, where he uh, returned to. And uh, at some point, it seems, uh, in between uh, going in Acts 15 and leaving in Acts 18 for the second journey, that Peter and a number of brethren came from Jerusalem. So that's not long at all after the conference in Jerusalem, the meeting of the people. And Paul says, I opposed him to his face, and he stood condemned. And so that is, well, just striking. Uh, that, that's sort of shocking that an apostle would stand condemned. Again, not by his teaching, but by, in this case, his behavior. And we think about uh, some times when inspired men stood condemned. Not very many. But I think about the failings of Jonah, uh, which he certainly was condemned in the rebellious state of mind that he was in, uh, directly disobeying God, and then finally preaching what God said after God's intervention, uh, preaching what God said, but uh, hoping that God wouldn't fulfill his promise of mercy, being upset that God would do that, and God rebuked him as he sat there on the hillside, uh, uh, under his uh, under his vine, and then mourning the loss of his vine. Uh, certainly, I think we can say Jonah. Jonah stood condemned, and Jonah was rebuked directly by God. Uh, Elijah is also rebuked by God. Uh, one time when he fled the battlefield, when he left Israel uh, to go and I guess have a, a sort of a uh, you know a, a prophetic pity party, uh, God. Uh, God rebuked him 
Jeremiah at one point said, I'm not going to preach. And then uh, the compulsion uh, to follow God and to make God's message known overwhelmed him and burned like a fire in his heart. But short of that, with all of God's prophets, we don't find uh, many of God's honored prophets in a place of condemnation and in a place of being rebuked. Uh, but again, it's not that this is the only occurrence. And so uh, Peter stood condemned. And when a man stands condemned, especially uh, when the act that he is uh, condemned for would be of a great influence and a detriment to others because they'll follow along and other people be harmed by it, then that needs to be opposed. And that needs to be opposed uh, directly. So Peter is opposed uh, by Paul face to face. The reason for this, as we mentioned, and as Paul will go on to explain in verse 12, is bad behavior. Not... Um, bad teaching, uh, not bad doctrine, but not following through on the truth that was revealed. For Verse 12 says, for prior to the coming of certain men from James. And so Peter had been up there in Antioch, and all had been going well. He seemed to be in uh, good uh, company with and, and fellowship with uh, all the brethren, and that was a, a multitude of both Jews and Gentiles at the church there. He used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he began to hold himself aloof, fearing the party of the circumcision. So he's eating with the Gentiles. He's having regular social interaction with the Gentiles. And Peter himself is the one uh, who first taught the church that that was good, acceptable, and a right thing to do. Peter had been the one chosen by God to go to Cornelius' house first. And even before that, Peter seemed to have been breaking down Jewish prejudices and, and Jewish restrictions uh, in favor of the gospel uh, when he stayed at the Tanner's house, uh, the fellow whose job it was to uh, uh, deal with uh, animal skins and uh, the like. And under the law, <coughs> those, who, uh, those who were in contact with the dead uh, would be unclean. And so, well, uh, the tanner, he's constantly being unclean ceremonial, ceremonially. And so Peter stayed at his house. And how would you keep Jewish um, uh, cleanliness restrictions in the house where they're dealing with, with hides all the time and tanning hides? But he's called from that house to go to the Gentiles. And he goes in Acts chapter 10 to the Gentiles. And he stays with the Gentiles. He not only goes <coughs> and preaches with them, he stays with them a number of days. And in Acts 11, he's the one who justifies that, who speaks to the brethren and says, this was acceptable, this was right, that God has made these people clean. In Acts 15, he's the first to speak. And he tells them that uh, tells the brethren that God made the choice that he would go and that he would teach and he would uh, bring the Gentiles into the church by the gospel. And so here was Peter, who was eating with the Gentiles, associating with the Gentiles. But after his being up there by himself or, or with the brethren in Antioch, came some men, it says, from James. And it says certain men from James. So 
We're sure that Paul could have named those men. Uh, he didn't here, but, but he certainly he could have. <coughs> These men came from James. Well, James was the, the Lord's brother. James was the uh, prophet. Uh, he's such a pillar in the church at Jerusalem. He's sometimes called an apostle. So men came basically from Jerusalem. Uh, brethren, they come as brethren. They come from uh, the, the leader, one of the great leaders in the church in Jerusalem. But when they come, Peter, uh, it says, holds himself aloof. He withdraws from the Gentiles. Now, these men who lived in Jerusalem, uh, who would uh, uh, go back to Jerusalem when this trip was over, uh, men who were uh, of influence in the church, men who are also being known in town, uh, those men would have for their own reasons, I think likely reason, uh, to keep Jewish law. And you read passages like Romans 14, could a Christian keep Jewish dietary restrictions? Yes. One man eats and one man doesn't. One man drinks and another man doesn't. And they do it all in regard to the Lord. And so for their position in the Jewish community back home, for uh, their own uh, conscience, for their own, for their own sake, for their own reasons, uh, certain men like that certainly would have been allowed to not uh, eat any contaminated food. And so uh, they would have uh, kept themselves uh, from uh, those meals, but that didn't mean they kept themselves from fellowship. It didn't mean they kept themselves separated from the brethren. But at the arrival of these men, Peter, <coughs> Peter changes his behavior. It's quite obvious that the men that he used to eat with, the men that he used to associate with, that were Gentiles, he no longer does. And he does, it says, out of fear, fearing the party of the circumcision. Now, here's the thing that's a danger. These brethren would, would have been within their own rights to not eat any kind of food the law did not provide for. But when you have a group of people who all hold the same scruple, when you have a group of people who all practice the same thing, even when it's not required, uh, they often form a party. Uh, sometimes it's uh, purposeful. Sometimes it's just natural development sort of inadvertent. But there becomes a division in the church where there's a party of the circumcision, where there's people who keep that way and evidently throw some weight around and uh, uh, either purposely or, or slyly. Again, it's hard to see how this would happen inadvertently, uh, but, but Peter fears crossing them. And so Peter stops associating with good brethren that he'd been associating with. And so there's division is beginning in the church. Division over practice. Again, <laughs> hasn't yet developed into division over teaching. It didn't get that far in Antioch. In Galatia, it got that far that it's division over teaching. And so when this division, when this schism of practice starts and it becomes identifiable parties of the circumcision of the uncircumcision, Paul doesn't want this to go any distance at all. He doesn't want the uh, wonderful church there in Antioch uh, to divide into two parts. The, the wonderful church there in Antioch, where they're, again, Acts 11, first called Christians, 
This was one of the first churches to send to Jerusalem brethren. This is a church where the Gentiles have a heart for and have a love for their Jewish brethren. And now some of their Jewish brethren are acting poorly in regard to them. And you could see how uh, resentment would quickly build in. Oh, we can send you guys money, but you, you guys are too good to come to our house. Oh, we, we, we can send money for you to eat down there. But when I invite you to eat in my own house, you, you won't come. You can see how this would quickly uh, spiral into uh, division, into schism. And uh, if left unchecked, uh, two churches, the Church of the Believing Gentiles and the Church of the Circumcised Jews. And Paul's not going to have that. That's going to undo his work in entirety. And so there is no need for this. And this is contrary, actually, to the Christian teaching. Again, it, it strikes me, and this is not that long after Acts 15. James, the men, from where these men came, uh, James is the one who had said back in Acts 15, verse 19, he said, it's my judgment. We don't trouble those who are turning to God from among the Gentiles. But except to write them this, abstain from things contaminated by idols, from fornication, from things strangled, and from blood. And so that's the basic uh, rule. Gentiles, who had particular problems with these areas, needed to know. No idolatry. No fornication. Don't eat blood and the, the things that are strangled because the blood's still in the flesh. And so the eating of blood, fornicating, and idolatry. That's what James himself taught. These guys came from James. And so I don't know if these guys from James didn't get the message. Uh, I don't know if they were just being careful, uh, you know, these guys from Jerusalem going off into a Gentile hinterland, saying, ah, we better be careful uh, uh, when we get there. And it just spreads. Uh, but somehow it does, but it seems like it must have been on purpose somehow. Uh, I don't know, because Peter is acting here, it says, out of fear, fearing the party of the circumcision. So somehow, even though James himself didn't teach this, Peter himself had, had uh, preached against, the, uh, against this, somehow there's a party spirit involved, and Peter gets, wants to make sure he's on the right side of it, and Peter acts from fear. Now, when you think about Peter uh, during the Gospels, and there's times when he didn't act so right, uh, and, but one of the, his worst times of failing, when he denied Jesus, he was in a social situation, and he denies Jesus, it appears, so he doesn't get crossways with those people uh, who are in, attending uh, and, 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 and helping the, the ones putting Jesus on trial as he was there in the high priest's house in the middle of the night and eventually warming himself by the fire. But it was in a, a social situation where Peter seemed to have gotten intimidated uh, and then ends up denying the Lord. You think, man, what a terrible thing. Well, here, it seems to be the same type of mentality, the same type of failing, that social pressure... Uh, being intimidated, uh, fearing these people to whom uh, he evidently uh, sought their uh, respect and goodwill. He's, he's intimidated by them. But he's the apostle. Shouldn't he be the one setting the tone? 
if anybody's going to be intimidated, not that we want to throw our weight around and intimidate people and get away by intimidation, but if anybody's intimidated, shouldn't it be these, these visiting Jews who would fear to cross two apostles? As Peter and, John, uh, Peter and Paul uh, stood together, shouldn't they be the ones? Maybe who, oh, we don't want to cross them. That's, that's Peter and Paul. We can't go against apostles. Yet somehow, Peter's the one who ends up being intimidated socially. And, and we have to admit to ourselves that as is, is wrong as this is, and really in so, in, in so many ways kind of unexplainable, when you think about social pressure and what people do and don't do, uh, how people stand or don't stand, how people take a bad action they never would otherwise, or how people uh, go against what they always say they would do when there's social pressure involved, we can see how this goes on. So social pressure is a, is a difficult thing to contend with and be crossways with. Now, we should use uh, you know, social support uh, for the gospel and for good behavior, for things that are right. We should use social support as a powerful tool to help people live right, speak right, live right, do right in the gospel as we together as a family of believers, as a, as a unified body uh, in a church. Uh, we should use that for good. Here, though, Peter's on the backside, and Peter, Peter's the one who fears, and Peter's the one who acts from fear, and so seldom do we do the right thing from fear. And so this bad behavior toward believers and Peter uh, uh, absenting himself and withdrawing himself, keeping himself from these believers uh, who he had formerly been with, uh, what a blow to them that the apostle would no longer consider them worthy uh, of his company. And Paul says, no, no, just not going to. And it wasn't just Peter. And this is where this has crossed the line into a seriously dangerous situation. The rest of the Jews. That sounds like the brethren at Antioch. The rest of the Jews. Join him in the hypocrisy. Could be that it means all the people who just came to visit from James. Uh, but it sounds like this rest of the Jews... Uh, is a very inclusive thing, being the brethren in Antioch. So the Jewish brethren join him in the hypocrisy. Because normally, how safe a course is it to follow the example of an apostle? We just take that as universally given, right? If somebody says, well, the apostle did this, or the apostle did that, we're on it. We can do it. Good thing. The apostles are doing it. Not here. And this is where Peter had done such a terrible disservice that others were joining him in this hypocrisy. Again, the hypocrisy seems to be saying that, oh yeah, we believe in the gospel is for all. But acting as if the gospel is for folks who also keep the law. That's the ones who are really doing it. So, the rest of the folks 
get carried away too, is it says in Galatians 5, 9, Paul warns against error, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. A little small start, worked in, quietly growing, doing its influence, working its ways, has caused many to go into error. The extent to which this goes, in verse 13, the result that even Barnabas was carried away by the hypocrisy. Here's Barnabas, the great encourager. <coughs> Every other word <coughs> about Barnabas, pardon me. Every other word about Barnabas in the scriptures is a good word, but not this one. Barnabas, the man who had helped so many, the man who had brought people together. Uh, we know him famously for bringing together uh, uh, Paul and the brethren in Jerusalem. We know him for his travels with Paul and teaching and bringing many Gentiles to Christ. This Barnabas, who such a stalwart friend of Paul, encouraging and helpful in all his ways and in all his days, except for this one. And it seems again that the center of this uh, error carrying away is Peter. Uh, many will uh, do things wrong, uh, but because Peter's with it, it goes so much further uh, than, than it would have gone. And so even Barnabas, the one who goes with Paul to preach to Gentiles, he seems to uh, withhold himself from the very brethren that he himself had helped convert and helped teach. This is the thing. Error carries away. Error carried away uh, in this Peter. And it says even Barnabas was carried away in this hypocrisy. The problem is, and this is why this was so wrong... This is why this was uh, so damning, was in acting this way, they are not being straightforward with the truth. And so uh, we had back in verse 5 last week, uh, Paul said about those who taught the law, he said, we did not yield in subjection to them even for an hour so that the truth of the gospel would remain. The truth of the gospel would remain. The problem here, in their action, they are not being straightforward with the truth of the gospel. So, in their teaching, I don't think they ever uh, joined the Judaizers. I don't think they ever said the words, you must be circumcised according to the custom of Moses to be saved. I don't think they said you had to keep the Sabbath. I don't think they said you had to keep the kosher restrictions of the eating, but they're only going to associate with Jews. They're only going to go to their houses. They're only going to have full participation with one kind of believer. What does that say about the other kinds of believers? Men of the same faith, but a different ethnicity. Men of the same faith, but a different cultural background. Men of the same faith, but we've thrown up other things as divisive among them. So, as much as we might say, 
uh, we're for all mankind being Christians. These folks and those who act like these folks uh, say by their association and by their fellowship, they really only accept a few. They really only accept those like them. They really only accept those uh, who meet these other qualifications or these other conditions. Things, like in this case, often not stated in the gospel. Even things may be stated against and contrary to the gospel. But still, they acted in their behavior as though these were important things. Otherwise, why would there be a division? And so, in their actions, they are not straightforward about the truth of the gospel. I think we could draw a parallel between this Jew and Gentile uh, division here in, in practice. Even though they say the right words, they still have the wrong practice. I think about some of uh, the folks I know who say the right words about race. Uh, they, 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 they talk about how, uh, you know, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. But the only ones they really associate with are the ones the same color as them. You know, well, why is that? Uh, well, we're just more comfortable over here. Well, you know, uh, they eat strange things. Well, you know, they, I just don't feel comfortable. I, I'm more comfortable here with my own people. How'd that be different than these? It wouldn't. A straightforwardness of the gospel crosses racial and ethnic lines. It crosses socioeconomic lines. It, it puts the rich with the poor as long as they all believe in the same Lord with the same faith. It puts the black with the white. It puts the, the immigrant with the native born in whatever country you're in. It puts the alien and the sojourner with a fellow who's never left his hometown. It puts all together who are in Christ. These, by their action, Paul says, they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel. And that, in this case, is behavior-based. Not in anything, apparently, that was ever doctrinally stated. And so, Peter, or excuse me, Paul says, I said to Cephas, to Peter, using his Jewish name as he does often here in Galatians, I said to Cephas, in the presence of all. Seems like this must have been uh, at a worship service, maybe a Bible study, uh, but a, a place where there's lots of brethren come together. And so here's a meeting with Peter and Paul at it. And you think about how many people would show up if Peter and Paul are preaching. Yeah, Peter and Paul are, are, are teaching. And, and <clears throat> how, many, how many believers would come? So it appears that at one of those, at one of those uh, meetings like that, in a public meeting, Paul says to Peter, if you, being a Jew, live like the Gentiles, well, that's how you've been living. Uh, you, you had been uh, not concerned with these Jewish restrictions and these old ways of the law. You had not been living like a Jew. So you live like the Gentiles and not like the Jews. How is it that you compel now the Gentiles to live like Jews? So you, you, didn't, you didn't live this way. You didn't have these restrictions. Sir, what's changed? Well, 
Paul said what had changed. Men coming from James. A social pressure put on Peter. And it led to a change of behavior that led to a rift in the church among the brethren. And Paul says, I withstood him to the face. Now, this story is not told for you know, personal aggrandizement uh, and glory uh, to Paul. I I'm sure it chagrined him that he had to do this. I I'm sure it chagrined him that he had to bring it up these several years later. But the lesson in it, it's a, it's a veiled threat, maybe not veiled even, to the Judaizing teachers in Galatia. If you think I'm going to let you come and split up the churches that I worked so hard to build and that the, these people redeemed by the blood of Christ for whom Christ died, if you think we're going to let you divide this up, you are sorely mistaken. I wouldn't even let Peter, by behavior, get away with this. And here you come in these churches for which he's has so such a deep personal connection and you're going to come teach this openly now go back to chapter one if anybody teaches a different gospel let him be accursed and if anybody tries to divide up the brethren in behavior and practice i will stand them even as i withstood an apostle so if i didn't brook an apostle doing this what chance do you think you have of you getting away with this unscathed? And so, this is Paul telling about folks not being straightforward with the gospel. Not because he wants to tell, you know, just how independent he is and how strong he is and how bold he is to these Galatians, but he wants to let them know that I got the gospel from God and I'm not backing down from it and its truth and its influence on us in the way we live. I'm not backing down from it in any regard, no matter who you are. Just ask Peter if you want to know that. So let's be straightforward about the gospel is Paul's plea to the Galatians as it was his plea to Peter and it was his rebuke to those who would teach against it. And then for us, point of application and uh, uh, for us as a practical thing today, uh, uh, are there things in which we say gospel truths, but then in our life, our life isn't straightforwardly following it? There was a time that was true for them. Let's think if, but maybe, that might be at times true for us. All right, with that, I am finished. Clock said I had about a normal length sermon time with you. And next week, Paul's going to talk about that saving faith. Uh, as we'll find, there's no way to be saved by the law. And there's one way to be saved by faith, and that's in Christ. And so Paul will explain the, the doctrine, again, behind uh, those actions and that stand that he took, beginning in verse 15 and going down to the end of the chapter. But Tonight, when we might need to confront somebody, and when Paul even needed to confront Peter, because he wasn't straightforward about the gospel.
Thank you for listening to this sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ. Additional sermons and information available at mulvanechurch.com. Come see what a difference the Bible way makes.